I've really struggled lately with talking about birth, specifically birth stories. Women who should know better keep falling prey to fear-mongering by their care practitioners. They lament over their dangerous circumstances and still don't understand that many of these situations are caused by interference with the birthing process. It's disheartening. Because of that, today I want to talk about something that's different from my usual content. Bear with me. I'm Lindy Casey, retired midwife, and I've seen some things. This is a real story about a real family that I really know. The names and some details have been changed to protect their privacy. Let's dive in. Bill was a big, loud, brusque man. Though he wouldn't describe himself that way, he thought of himself very differently. He had four grown kids and was divorced by the time I met him. He told me that when he was in his 20s, he was living away from his hometown attending college, but he'd gone home for a weekend celebration, some holiday like 4th of July or something. His small town had a big community party every year and he was there for it. He drank a lot and met up with a girl he knew. Let's call her Tammy. Tammy was also going to college, but somewhere else and was only home for the weekend. They got together, but Bill said he wasn't able to um, perform the way he'd wished, owing to all the booze he'd guzzled. But being such a big man and so loud and overbearing, it didn't bother him, or if it did, he'd never told me. After the weekend, he went back to school and so did Tammy. A few months later, his parents called him. Tammy's folks had been to their house. Remember, this is a small town in the 70s. Everyone knew everyone else. And Bill and Tammy's parents were kind of big deals in that small town. Apparently, Tammy was pregnant, and Bill's parents wanted him to come home right away to sort it out. Bill denied he could have gotten her pregnant. He even told them how drunk he'd been and how he hadn't completed the act. But Tammy insisted he was responsible and his Catholic parents told him what they expected him to do. He should marry her right away. So he did. He wasn't happy about it, but he made the best of it. That spring, he and Tammy graduated from their respective schools and began married life together. When the baby was born, Bill looked at it and said, that's not my kid. But Tammy was indignant and said that it was. So he let it go, but he didn't believe his firstborn, a boy named Mike, was his son. He just didn't. And when the next child was born, and the next, and the next, he became more sure the younger children looked nothing like Mike. Fast forward to when I met him, Bill and Tammy had divorced. Mike was a married man in his 30s with kids of his own. He and Bill worked together in a family business, and they saw each other frequently. Bill believed they had a good relationship, but I wasn't so sure. Bill was so loud and overbearing, and Mike had a much more quiet self-assurance. It had to be hard for him to work with his dad. Bill told me he had to know. Was Mike his son? I pointed out that he'd raised the kid. He called him dad. He was his son, in at least one respect. But Bill insisted he had to know for sure. He asked me how to get a DNA test done. I think he thought this would hold some sort of bargaining power with his ex-wife, though the divorce had long been settled. Even though he could have used a consumer DNA test like Ancestry, he decided to go with a paternity testing lab in Canada. I don't know what his rationale was. In any case, he ordered two tests, one for him and one for Mike, and then he went to talk to his son. I can't imagine how hurtful it would be for your father to come to you and ask you to take a DNA test. There are so many layers to that. 
but maybe it isn't any more painful than when a child asks a parent to take one. Mike was probably used to Bill getting ideas in his head and forcing everyone to go along because that was his personality. He was kind of the boss of everyone. So Mike agreed and they did the test. A few weeks later, the test results came back and it showed that there was no chance Bill was Mike's father. But now the question was, who was? I went to the local school district office and asked to see old yearbooks. They were piled up in a corner of a hallway and I was told they couldn't be taken out. So I sat on the floor and went through the probable years one by one. It took hours. Eventually I found a photo that looked almost identical to Mike. I snapped a picture with my phone and went back to Bill's house. He knew the guy. He was older than him and Tammy, but didn't even live in their town anymore. He must have come back for that community celebration. Armed with this information, Bill took a printed copy of the yearbook photo the DNA tests, and a hell of a lot of nerve, and went to see Mike. He said Mike took it in stride, but I doubt that. And then Bill went to see Tammy. Why, I don't know. She denied it. She said it had to be wrong, and if Bill wasn't Mike's father, then hell, she wasn't his mother either. So Bill ordered more DNA tests for the three of them. Obviously, Tammy was Mike's mother. She said she didn't remember anything else happening. She said she must have been raped. She was like a cornered, terrified creature being confronted by a goblin. Meanwhile, Mike tracked down the yearbook guy. He explained what Bill had found out and asked him to take a DNA test. The guy agreed, and it was quickly taken care of locally, and the results came in. He was Mike's bio father. All I know from that point on is that yearbook guy embraced his newfound son, and they grew a relationship. Bill's relationship with Mike, however, was forever altered. Tammy's entire family was angry at Bill for forcing the issue. Bill's other kids were appalled by Bill's abrasive approach to this very sensitive situation. In essence, their family was just destroyed. NPE stands for non-parental event or not parent expected. It refers to what happens when a person does their DNA through consumer testing like an Ancestry.com or 23andMe and when they get the results back they find out that the man who raised them or at least the one who's on their birth certificate or who they've been told is their father is not actually their biological father. An entire genre of podcasts has sprung up covering these stories. They almost always follow a similar format. A person, usually a woman, tells the story of her childhood and then how she found out she was an NPE. She is devastated. Her family relationships are almost always destroyed. She frequently finds that her bio family wants nothing to do with her. She has to get therapy, but she can't find a therapist that she considers up to par with dealing with this sensitive issue. It's a life-altering point that changes how she views herself forever. Lily Wood, on her podcast, NPE Stories, often says that the relationship between NPEs is the sisterhood of the nodding heads. Lily says that as a guest tells their story on her show, she is silently nodding her head in understanding and agreement. But here's the thing. Their mothers don't have a sisterhood. They don't have a community to listen to them, tell their story, and to relate to how they feel. To only hear from the children who have NPE status is to not get a full picture. The other party, the mother, really has an equally traumatic experience, and she's almost always vilified, even if she apologizes, even if she tries to explain, even if she had no real clear idea that she had named the wrong man as the father of her baby. At this point, I've listened to hundreds of episodes across several podcasts, as well as the personal stories of people who've reached out to me directly. The stories consist of the children of these mothers telling how their childhoods were wonderful or dysfunctional. They always knew they were different or they never suspected a thing. Their birth certificate fathers were their heroes or they were horrid. The truth is that if you asked anyone to tell the story of their childhood, you would hear equally varied stories of good, bad, and abuse. 
The human condition is not beautiful and clear-cut and a fairy tale, and even if you were raised by your two biological parents, as I was, you might still feel like an oddball, even if you look just like the rest of the family, like I did. You might come out with red hair while the rest of the family is blonde or brunette, as my grandson and great-granddaughter did. Your mother might be kind or mean or secretive. Your father might be standoffish or warm and relatable. That part of these stories are more about life and less about being an NPE. But for the mothers, their stories are the real crux of it, in my opinion, and they don't have a voice. I'd wager a bet that their children who are speaking out, almost overwhelmingly daughters, could find more healing in hearing why their mothers did this than all those therapists they've seen that they claim have dubious qualities. If mothers who point a finger at the wrong man to blame for their pregnancies or committed indiscretion within their marriages, if those women could have a voice in this conversation, maybe we could look at it differently. How many men have sexual relationships, long-term or one-night stance, and walk away? But for the women who end up pregnant, I'd like to know how that felt. I'd like to know how it feels now. I've been interested in genealogy for decades. When consumer DNA tests became affordable, I bought them for my entire family. While I knew that my parents were my biological parents, there was a part of me that wished I'd find out I was adopted. Not because I don't love my parents, I do, but because it would explain why I'm so different from the rest of my family. Maybe that's why I've donated many hours to helping adoptees and, yes, NPEs too, find their genetic families. Early in my midwifery career, I had two very strange births where I was sure something unusual was going on, maybe even illegal, and that helped to solidify my determination to support every person's right to know their biological history. So don't think that my interest in supporting the birth mothers of these people who find out the father and their birth certificate is not actually related to them is in any way supporting the continuing gaslighting of adoptees and NPEs. Everyone deserves to know their genetic roots. But part of knowing that beyond the science of chromosomes is the story of how these mothers came to be in situations where they have been outed as liars and frauds. I just don't think that's fair. I believe that mothers who lie or don't know their kids' parentage deserve to have their voices heard. They deserve a sisterhood of nodding heads. If you aren't sure who your child's father is, or if you named a different man as the father, I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to non-judgmentally give you the space to talk about what happened. You can get in touch with me several different ways. You can email me at the link in the description, or you can text 715-575-9420. You can even leave a three-minute voicemail at that number. The number's also in our show notes. Thanks for listening today, and I hope you'll join me in the future. Please like, share, and subscribe. That helps more people find this podcast. See you next time.